0: Hey there, welcome to episode 36 of the Let's Innovate for Vegas audio program. Episode 36 is being recorded on the evening of October 26, 2023. We usually publish on Friday the 27th. That will probably be the case here. I'm your host, Dan Hugo, Managing Director of the Innovate for Vegas Foundation. I'm always the host. I sometimes forget to say it, but it's always true, for better or worse. Today, we are talking about decentralizing... Local innovation. What on earth could that mean? We've already pivoted. Uh, I've talked about this previously. Uh, Our history began as Code for Vegas when the early days of uh, Code for America brigades were a thing, like 2012-14 in that time frame. The early days of brigades, Code for Vegas was a part of Code for America in that regard, Focus on an open data platform that was in development here. There is still an open data platform. There's at least one person that still works on it for the city, City of Las Vegas. Um, I honestly don't know if other cities in Greater Vegas and the Clark County region uh, collaborate on some of the data sets. They are not strictly confined to the administrative boundaries of City of Las Vegas. But the fact remains that is the history of Code for Vegas. And, of course, we rebooted the Code for Vegas Foundation as an independent 501c3 public charity here in Nevada. In uh, June 2022, we incorporated our nonprofit. And in October, we received our IRS determination, 501c3. We changed our name. The paperwork is done with the state. Uh, Some IRS paperwork regarding the 990 filing. That's when you change your name. So each year when you file your 990, you change your name. It's a protracted paperwork process. It's sort of annoying. But the fact remains, we are the Innovate for Vegas Foundation. So our pivot was rather than innovating necessarily in Las Vegas, we will innovate for Vegas and anywhere else. And we hope that others will do the same. So we've learned a lot about innovating in Vegas. Uh, there's, there are several culture problems The innovation culture is in desperate need of cultivation, cultivation here, and so that will take time. Uh, Today, there just is not the, uh, the population of people who want to, as civic volunteers, work on problems for free as volunteers with an eventual return on that investment. With a culture here that is much more interested in working for pay, nothing wrong with that, Everybody likes to get paid, but the desire is to have that promise made up front rather than work towards eventual elevation of a community, delivery of something novel, actual ideation and innovation, where one does it for the sake of doing it first. Uh, This is not necessarily something that someone could do on a 100% basis. Uh, If you're familiar with the 20% notion Twenty percent projects that companies like Google have famously deployed eventually as actual products. If memory serves, Gmail was a somehow a twenty percent product project. Today, it's a twenty percent product. That's a different discussion. <laughs> but uh, our culture, our population here today, is not necessarily geared uh, culturally, um, interest, desire, drive. It's just not a fertile landscape for volunteer civic ideation, innovation, implementation. Making our communities better is something that people would like to do, perhaps, until they are asked, it's a tricky word to say, asked to do something. So what do we do? Pivoting. So we no longer look to our local population for innovators. Uh, I have frequently said and written we are about local innovation by local innovators. Maybe the word local needs some fine tuning. We do have our v-local project, which has not received any love, to be sure. Uh, I may be the only one proactively interested in it, it who is still around. Uh, several people expressed an interest, but expressing an interest, it's always easy to volunteer until you're asked to do something. You want to be a volunteer firefighter? Great. Okay, now there's a fire. I'm busy. <laughs> or I'm just not interested in carrying that bucket of water. So it's been a challenge. It's been a challenge since we reformed. It's been uh, something like 18 months now since our first hackathon in, let's call it March. I think it was, it was either February or March. It doesn't really matter. 2022. We're about a year and a half old of our reboot history timeline. And many things have been learned. learned. There are some links in the show notes. Hopefully you can see the show notes. Uh, Spotify does a lousy job of rendering them. we got to fix that. Uh, There are links to a couple of things, but let's start off first with Hacktoberfest. So Hacktoberfest is an annual effort during the month of October to encourage people to become open source developers, to try out projects, do something that's called a pull request. So basically you're looking at GitHub and GitLab. So the Hacktoberfest.com website, link in the show notes, uh, facilitates that every year in October. It's the 10th year. And last year, when we were just getting started, there was actually some clamoring, how come we're not part of uh, Hacktoberfest this year? And like we didn't really have the resources, the coordination, the, the wherewithal. Since then, we have our 501c3 team tier of GitHub, so we got... All kinds of unlimited things and features and coolness and whatever. We have a few projects. We have uh, Agile for Volunteers set up. We have um, a project structure with an overview project and user stories and um, Epic and user story issue types and projects, GitHub projects set up for each of the projects. We have implementations for a couple of the user stories in the form of project repositories that tackle a backend or a front end in a particular language or with a particular focus on a type of platform. So it could be could be PostgreSQL with mostly SQL, but you know whatever else is needed. So we have these pieces in place, and it's been you know another year later. So we intended to participate in Hacktoberfest this year by we, I mean me. So the joy of being the one person wearing all the hats is that it all rests on your shoulders or mine in the case, uh, the case maybe to prepare projects that get them into shape for people to contribute to and so on. And it's, it dawned on me and I'm going to list a couple of things here. These are, you can take these as excuses, but they're realizations about the the depth of the plight in which we find ourselves. As an organization here, as Innovate for Vegas Foundation, but also as a a civic volunteer organization in the larger scheme of things. So, we had the NASA Space Apps Challenge Hackathon on October 7th and 8th. So, that was right at the beginning. I think the official kickoff of Hacktoberfest was October 5th. I think it was a Thursday. It's essentially the month of October, but there you go. So, we're wrapping up the hackathon. We had 12 participants in our Las Vegas event. I was really hoping to catch some of that momentum and redirect it into a Hacktoberfest participation. That was not the case. So most of those people are on to other things, which is fine. There was no large scale interest prior. This, uh, last, in 2022, there was some interest, but not from people who were actually um, proactively participating in our project development and, and so on. But at least there was some interest. This year, not so much, locally. So I've uh I've been lurking more than anything else uh, occasionally making a comment but I've been uh, participating in some ways in the ACT Discord server the Alliance of Civic Technologists it is essentially a former Code for America Brigade participants members of the cohorts and they are trying to recreate their own version of a what I believe will be a centrally planned uh, siloed in some ways uh, brigade-like infrastructure except not Code for America brigades. So they're, I think they're rushing to uh, comfort zone and that's their prerogative so I'm not complaining about that. <clears throat> it's not something I actually support or agree with so I've been interested to see what they're doing. I don't think it's the best way to go and I'll get to that you know, What I, my theory on that shortly but basically they're trying to uh, have a, a path of uh, continuity for brigades that are currently around the country and looking at a sun setting. So their their various resources that were available to them, the infrastructure that was in place to connect them, the management structures in place to guide them and to take credit for their work. Uh, those are all going away at the end of this year, so very soon now. So I had this idea I suggested on their Discord server that Hacktoberfest would be an interesting opportunity for brigades around the country as they are sunsetting, so soon-to-be former brigades, could enlist people to take part in their projects either as newcomers to open source, so that the goal of Hacktoberfest is to attract newcomers, so that's great, but also what if people in one brigade could collaborate with people in another brigade on their Hacktoberfest projects, and introduce themselves. Say hello. Hey, we're here. It's a crazy idea. So it didn't get met with much interest at all. And it, you know, this many weeks later, essentially non-starter. So that was a disappointment. So anytime you propose a project and there's a general lack of interest, that's sort of a, a little gut-wrenching, a little heartbreak, but such is life. My voice is not cooperating, by the way. I apologize. Ridiculous allergy situation. So local innovators are difficult to come by. That's another challenge. Uh, Vegas is in fact, um, for all practical purposes, free of participation at the state level. I have reached out to Washoe County, the hack for Reno uh, code for America brigade is also being sunset. Uh, but I've been reaching out to them since we formed, like, I think we formed on June 16th, 2022 and, I don't even know if it was a week later. I said, hey, Hack Ferino, do you want to collaborate? Do you want to work together on anything? A little outreach. Not only not interested, not even interested in responding. (laughs) So I'm only guessing that they're not interested because I never actually got a response. Uh, Some response in the negative would have been more useful than no response. Our culture of innovation in Southern Nevada is in desperate need of proactive cultivation. It's something we could do here locally. Ultimately, uh, by proximity, we might end up doing that, but it takes a village, as they say. Our school system, I believe, has to start at about seventh grade with actual directed innovation platforming. (laughs) Make innovation part of the curriculum from ground zero, right? Uh, Seventh grade is the, the age, in my findings, over the years since I was in about seventh grade, (laughs) when you are in seventh grade, you are typically in junior high school, as they say in America, you are probably switching classes. This may happen at sixth grade, but there's something about 12 years old, give or take, um, switching classes. There's a tendency to start taking an interest in a particular area like music or food. Or, um, I recently, not recently, last year (laughs) I spoke at a, coincidentally seventh grade class as part of junior achievement about like career paths and so on. And seventh graders are developing an interest in what they would possibly maybe think about pondering doing. Uh, the old days were, uh, I'm, I want to be a princess or a football player regardless of, uh, anything else. <laughs> and those days are not completely gone, but the likelihood that you're actually going to be a medical examiner or a software engineer or a, um, a chef or a, an artist, a musician. the 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 list is endless, and it happens to be around seventh grade that that starts to crystallize. Not completely; it's still malleable. There may be a case where you're not going to end up getting into the thing you were interested in junior high, but that's the time to instill not the specifics, but the generalities, the notion that you can innovate, you can collaborate on ideas, you can think outside the box, your reach can exceed your grasp, and it should. So our culture of innovation, the, the knowledge that I could this weekend work on a project for this NASA hackathon and actually do something that I would continue working on. Who knows? Or I might develop a team that is facilitated at first by the NASA Space Apps Hackathon, but eventually works together so well that we take on other projects and we start a company of our own. You never know. You never know if you don't try. And where we are today, people will never know. Uh, We don't really reach out locally anymore. That is an uphill battle, a Sisyphean task with a very heavy boulder and very little help. At some point, there will have to be a less than optimistic disclosure of some of the experiences we've had trying to make things happen, trying to make some connections, some inroads to get some collaboration locally, whether it's sponsors or just getting the word out. Our local press, some local organizations that you would think would take some interest do not. So it's difficult. And that's where we are locally. Uh, So our pivot is to reach out beyond Nevada, see if Other former, soon-to-be former brigades are made up of people who are interested in working on projects who might like some two-way collaboration with others who are interested in working on projects. So today, Innovate for Vegas Foundation has one fairly capable (laughs) civic volunteer presently doing a a podcast episode of uh, Let's Innovate for Vegas, but certainly as I want to do, uh, my example I give to illustrate this, if you have seen the Top Gun Maverick movie, there's a section where his cadre of Top Gun pilots have been unable to complete the training course in the, the requisite two minutes and thirty seconds. They just can't do it. They almost run into mountains, ejecting from bird strikes, not hitting the target, etc., etc. So it's a it's quite an undertaking. And then when Maverick is kicked off the team. He's no longer the instructor because he was not able to convince the team that they could do it. He uh, steals an airplane and does the course in 2 minutes and 15 seconds while they're watching to show them that they can do it. So the, the take-home, you sometimes have to stop asking people or trying to convince them to do something and just do it and then see if they want to catch up. So our present efforts, and when I say we, I mean, yeah, to release our My Muni project in some usable form in the very near term. That's basically a local media platform. Um, It's kind of a combination of smart social and probably the early stages of the open data capture platform wrapped in my muni, which is my municipality or my community, depending on how you uh, spell things, to package it up as not another WordPress uh, media site, but an actual uh, platform Seated rooted, if you will, in the past in technologies and protocols that work, but polished with modernity, uh, decentralizing communications with things like Mastodon and relying on tried and true, like email, (laughs) not necessarily depending on everyone using Slack or discord, but publishing information in ways that can be accessed and shared algorithm free, uh, even something as simple as project discovery between soon-to-be former brigades is hampered by a lack of adoption of old technologies. DOAP, dope description of a project is a RDF XML schema. You publish a file on your organization website with your projects. <laughs> DOAP. You have a little r- robot scanning uh known organizational websites, you say, oh, org slash dope. There's our projects. So you can gather up what people are working on. And then, wait, how do I know what these known websites are? Fof, friend of a friend. Another RDF XML schema. You can publish uh, what your relationship is to other organizations in a list. And a structured data list so my robot can go and uh, skim over, okay, I know Innovate for Vegas, I know uh, Open Fresno, I know Code for SAC. Oh, their faux files point to others. So you can basically fan out to discover connected nodes in a network and discover which projects they're working on. Each organization does not have to publish their information to a central location. I've linked uh, Democracy Lab as an example, and this is not to say that Democracy Lab is a bad thing. Nope, far from it. But it is a centralized directory, and and they do other things. But you can publish your projects there, and that's great. But why can I not <clears throat> do a, a spidering bot? The technology exists. A spidering bot that will read a few files. If there are 100 soon-to-be former brigades, each one has a website. And by the way, the website could even be on Git, uh, GitHub or GitLab or... Squarespace or anything. It's not a major undertaking. You just need to have a place on the internet's where you can place, where you can save and make accessible a couple of XML files to describe your projects and your place in the network. Uh, if you're a GeoCities fan, remember the web rings? I think GeoCities made use of those. Basically, web ring. I'm um, uh, sorry, um, fof, friend of a friend. And I have links to those. Uh, No, I don't. I do not have links to those in the show notes because you can look those up yourself. They're on Wikipedia or wherever. D-O-A-P, description of a project. And FOF, friend of a friend. You may find XFN, which is um, XML, XHTML friend network markup, I believe it is. That's another thing that is out there. You can certainly use the rel attributes to point out, there's a rel me, is one way you can connect a website to yourself if you're a Mastodon user. So there, there are any number of ways that we can loosely couple uh, different nodes in the fabric of a civic volunteer cohort organization, without the need for central planning, a central gatekeeper, a centralized database directory, and even today, on the Act Discord, there was uh, an APB. Hey, is anyone here from a particular location? There has been a request for some collaboration on an, a project of some sort. <clears throat> well, that's that's problematic because the 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 organization in the locality in question, I'm being very vague here because there's no reason to call out anyone. They have a website, they have a GitHub account, they they're on social media, they're so they are reachable. So the question is why would someone go to another place to try to reach the this place that is local, they have a website, they, have, they are reachable and findable, and they should, should be contactable. So why that disconnect, first of all? And second of all, why do I now have to reach those people through a Discord server? So, so now we've added connection requirements. It's like saying, oh, you don't have an Instagram account? Well, then pff, can't do business with you. That's ridiculous, right? So if you have an autonomous presence online, if you are reachable with email, Phone number, messaging services, maybe like Matrix, but maybe Telegram, Signal, WhatsApp, maybe Facebook Messenger. Those, those kind of hurt to say. Maybe, you're, maybe you have a LinkedIn page and you can be reached there, which we have those. We have, we have a LinkedIn page. I try to make diminishing use of it. Um, we have run a Matrix server and will, again, self-hosted. We have our Mastodon deployment coming now sooner. Uh, It will fit into the MyMuni project deployment. So the goal is for Innovate for Vegas to be super reachable. And similarly, any other organization in our fabric of civic volunteers should be also reachable, and it should not require an all-points bulletin posted in a Discord channel hoping to find someone. At the very least, that message should go out to all of the connected nodes Where they are. So, the people in this organization in the location uh, in question, that's a lot of indirection. They should not have to be a member of a particular Discord server to be contacted. If they don't get an email from the party seeking, seeking them out, seeking the collaboration, they should be able to receive a message directly because we have this fabric of communication in place, which we do not yet, but that is coming. I'll get to that in a moment. So, This is, uh, the notion of decentralizing local innovation. So surely innovating locally, just it's in the name you're (laughs) innovating locally, but to restrict that local innovation to central, um, management coordination, central project description, it doesn't make sense. In many cases, I'm hearing it more and more. Unfortunately, there, there is a general problem with participation, uh, People sign up and don't show up, or they don't have the time, they don't want to spend the time, any number of reasons. Maybe it's post-pandemic, maybe there's something else going on. It doesn't make sense to develop in a silo, unless it does make sense. There are some projects that are tailored to a local challenge, maybe are developed with a local partnership with some municipal or NGO, municipality or NGO. In that case, maybe... Sticking to a local team does make sense. Our projects, VLocal, is for um, is a privacy-aware identity platform. So think of it like an OAuth server, but you self-host it. And that connects to some other. The Vegas local concept can be extended to a virtual local because of our 40 million visitors. So the VLocal project, we have the Open Data Capture Platform, which aims to expand the amount of data in our existing open data data sets. We have the smart social, which is a platform based in modernity, but also relying somewhat on proven technologies, not tying itself to Twitter and Facebook, but enabling the sharing of information at city scale. So you don't leave people out because they got banned on Facebook or whatever, right? That's ridiculous to rely on a centralized corporate owned social media platform to disseminate information. And the city of Las Vegas is guilty of that just like everybody else is. So getting the word out should not be a matter of convincing a reporter at your local newspaper to maybe bless you with some time writing an article. And this hampers a lot of potential innovation. Certainly uh, in my other episode I've recorded today of the Cafe Genius Impresarios, one of the issues is just getting the word out about your startup. We don't really have a good way to do that. LinkedIn is not sufficient. It is a 20-year-old plus 20, just over 20 years old platform. I think it was. it's about 20 years and six months, if I recall. Uh, it It has a profit motive. It does not really care if you find the information you're looking for or if you're able to address your interested segment of a population with your announcement, their algorithms make that decision. So... There are better ways to do things that are can benefit, that are not necessarily tied to profitability. They can benefit from a volunteer organization taking the time, putting in the effort. Is that right? Taking that, putting in the time? Anyway, <laughs> it can be done so that community elevation with better communication tools does not require direct profit motivation and so steering of eyeballs to more salacious material to encourage stickiness and thus advertising revenue so we don't need to do that so smart social uh, my muni and welcome welcome is the visitor version of my muni which is a local version of how to access your smart city a smart city user interface if you will we have our infrastructure project we have our challengers project to try to keep track of people who participate in things that are not our projects but our hackathons and challenges the nasa space apps challenge is one example hacktoberfest would have been another but i don't think we have any participation uh challenges project and then finally our very first project open transit it's about public transit and making it work that is a giant problem here none of the projects i just mentioned are las vegas specific even the v local project it doesn't actually have to be a vegas local it's virtual local it basically says, uh, "I have an identity in a locality, so I could be a virtual Vegas local, and we are, by the way, a city of loyalty cards. Go to into a, go into a resort on the strip with your player card, stick it in a slot machine, or go to the buffet and get a discount, or there's all sorts of things tied to that identity. You signed up with it, you signed up for it with your driver's license, most likely, or some other government ID. That card is not useful if you're home. <laughs> it is useful if you're in that resort. So we are, our entire economy has built into it the notion of a geographically local identity that can be tied to purchases and benefits and so on. So making that general open source, usable for logins and so on is part of that plan. That is not a Vegas thing. That is anywhere So your economy could be extended beyond your local borders, for example. You could be a virtual local in Las Vegas and enjoy all of the pain and suffering that real locals endure. But similarly, you could be a virtual local and receive local discounts on things. We enjoy several discounts. Uh, Show an ID and get in free. Show an ID, get two for one, et cetera, et cetera. So, So why not extend that to people when they are visiting? Part of the joy of returning to our greater Vegas as we make a better Las Vegas. So decentralizing the future means, or for the future, means not only continuing our efforts to cultivate our culture of innovation here. Do you cultivate a culture of innovation? Do you cultivate an innovation culture? What sounds better? Um, It's nice to think that we are building only for ourselves, but the world doesn't really work that way. We are a global resource for the universe uh, things that we are working on here in Vegas. None of them are Vegas specific so far, like I said, so there's no reason that someone in another city or country couldn't collaborate. The internet is built on collaboration. Doesn't always seem like that, but some of the things that you depend on daily, hourly were built by people who probably did it because it was a cool project to be involved with. They don't all live in the same country often, And yet, various open-source projects run the world so it can be done. You just need to have people. Did you hear that? That was fun. We just need to have people that are interested in participating. They don't all have to be geographically located. You do not need to innovate in Las Vegas to innovate for Vegas. So that's our pivot is to decentralize our development efforts to make our projects interesting and applicable to any locality and to offer to extend a hand to others who are working on projects similarly, so we can collaborate, we can learn from each other, we can take what works in your project and what works in ours and test it out on 40 million visitors every year. There's also an unnecessary focus on tech in these, uh, in even in the soon to be former brigade circle. Uh, this new group, they've formed the Alliance of Civic Technologists. We had this problem when we were Code for Vegas Foundation. Uh, quote I am not a coder, therefore, this is probably not for me, unquote. Nothing can be further from the truth. So Innovate for Vegas, aside from not having to deal with naming headaches from Code for America people, I wanted to say something, but I will not editorialize today. Uh, Innovate for Vegas, innovating is something anyone can do. You don't have to be a coder, as I've already said. So the focus on tech, the civic technologists, more power to them but I believe you are trying to build another central, uh, central planning organization overly focused on tech. We are not the next Silicon Valley. We, in the greater Vegas area, need to focus on innovation of all kinds and be inviting to people who want to be part of an innovation culture that requires cultivating. So even though there's technology involved in a lot of things, if there's a gate that says coder, And there's another one that goes nowhere that says non-coder. I'm kind of envisioning restroom doors. You're starting off on the wrong foot. You need to be an inclusive, uh, broadly focused. Is that even a word? Broad, broad broad spectrum of focus areas that interconnect and can benefit from each other. You know, I always say if uh, if you're building any piece of technology and and it will have humans using it, there's an entire half of the project, more that requires attention to the people that are using it and depending on it. And so often that is left to the coders to deal with. And coders are sitting in a coffee shop or in a cubicle or whatever, writing their code. They are not necessarily concerned with what people will encounter when they try to use their code. So there's an entire industry around user experience design, uh, Typeface selection, color schemes, accessibility, which is a huge thing that people should actually be concerned and and, uh, attentive of for, to one of those. So, yeah, there's too much focus on tech. Uh, Even Hacktoberfest does make a special point. Um, I believe they're trying to make a concerted effort since last year, but certainly this year. You can visit their website, hacktoberfest.com, link in the show notes. They are absolutely clear that this is not just about coders. It's not just about writing some JavaScript or C or <laughs> does anybody write C anymore? Real programmers do. So, so there is a slowly but surely, um, trend towards more inclusivity, uh, across skill sets and interest areas, diversity in the form, not only of culture, but of language and, um, user experience, right? There, There's a lot of diversity in user experience left on the table when you provide one way to do something. And finally, accessibility, which is a huge thing that is so often left to chance. Uh, finally, I will mention, no, super, super finally, right before finally, I did read the Recoding America book by uh, Jennifer Palka. She is the founder of Code for America. It was not useful, but I did read it. I would like for her to have spent All of the chapters she spent on telling stories about what's broken, uh, describing what to do to fix it, that was kind of pushed off to the conclusion of the book. So while I'm sure she has a wealth of knowledge and experience to build upon, I have a feeling she still would lean towards a central planning scheme. I completely and totally disagree with that. I think autonomous cohorts need to be enabled, encouraged. They need to communicate, collaborate. They need to consider... How they can best ideate, innovate, and implement, either on their own or with help from others, with communication and collaboration. So, sometime last year, sometime around the time we changed our name, and we were we were getting some guff that I heard about that other brigades were like, "How come Code for Vegas gets to be independent because we were not part of Code for America when we reformed the foundation?" And this caused some uh, some headaches apparently and raised the ire. So our then, soon-to-be board member, presently our third board member, Mary Norris, Mary C. Norris, and I have a, had a conversation, and we suggested a Project ACT, the Autonomous Cohort Transformation Project. So any brigade or any cohort of civic volunteers or similarly-minded similarly people could be uh, at least given some how-tos or some, uh, for the voice of experience to become independent. Or to start off independent, to be autonomous, autonomous cohorts. Uh, So to transform from a centrally planned, uh, fiscally sponsored component of this uh, monolith in California, pulling the rug out from under you, to become independent and uh, transform yourselves into a standalone organization. So that's what we started working on. (sighs) Didn't really have time. Didn't really get anybody to buy in because it wasn't until sometime later, I'm going to say about four months later, that the rug pull became, we didn't know about it at the time, but a rug pull became open knowledge. The message had gone out from the top at Code for America, that brigade days were numbered and the uh, Alliance of Civic Civic Technologists came about, I think in, uh, it looks like in about May. So they said, oh, we have to rebuild what we already had. Uh, Mary and I had already talked about this, about building independent organizations that could collaborate on a level playing field as peer organizations, not taking direction from the top. So that was Project Act. So we kind of shelved it. There was a GitHub repo, I'm sorry, GitHub organization that I literally deleted, which I should not have because now we don't have that date stamp. But uh, that's okay. Uh, the the fact though is that we were Project ACT before the Alliance of Civic Technologists, which is also ACT. I'm sure that will cause a headache at some point for someone, not me. Uh, But the ACT ACT project was born. Uh, We didn't really get there. We kind of shelled it. But the autonomous cohort transformation is still a thing. So the Project-ACT organization on GitHub is presently empty. And I'm the only person attached to it, the owner. But we also have a Discord server, project-act. And the idea is to start fomenting these conversations not as a, what can we redo Code for America with? How do we do it? How can we gather all these organizations to cling together? Rather, to enable organizations to operate autonomously but collaboratively. Remove the central planning aspects. But encourage people to work on projects that are not entirely focused on one local gap. You know, nobody developed a Linux kernel to solve a a printing server problem, right? It's a general piece of software. It was developed by Linus Torvalds in like uh, 93, I think. And look where it's come. So tackle, from a system design perspective, uh, generalized solutions to local problems or gaps, do do novel things that are interesting and fun and cool possibly have a business model attached to how you can repay volunteers for their time when they reach success invest in the future of your communities but collaborate across boundaries these are all not crazy so the act project has a part 2 especially because the end of the the end of the brigade scheme is nigh so project act the autonomous cohort transformation project becomes the autonomous cohort tessellation. A tessellation is a mosaic. A bunch of tiles spread across the country, each with the little logo of an autonomous cohort. The Innovator for Vegas Foundation, Open Fresno, Code for SAC. The list goes on. So if the, the 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 National Mosaic, the tessellation of autonomous cohorts, can be made visible using open non uh non-centralized, decentralized But existing tools like DOPE, FOF, XFN, um, RSS, what else? RSS and Atom. Schema.org has a wealth of uh, structured data markup for information content online. So there's no need to rely on a central authority to aggregate information. You can use GitHub, which you could argue is a centralized authority, but you can take your data, you can git clone it, Put it on your own server if you want. So there's nothing inherently centralized about uh, just posting a GitHub repo with some fof and dope data that can be not only read, but could be cloned. Uh, one could theoretically build up a database of all projects being worked on by all friend-of-a-friend friend nodes in an autonomous cohort tessellation, grab all the dopes, assemble a big uh, project database, and plot it on a map on a 3d earth, Google earth or open source equivalent. So these are all things that should just be done. And there's no, there should be no waiting for someone else to do it, which is by the way, a huge problem in our Vegas ecosystem, waiting for someone else. Uh, The way I say it is somebody should do that. Somebody should fix that. Somebody should uh, build that. Well, that's us. Um, so there you go. I think, I think we're coming to the end. That's all, That's all I have in my notes. Um, I will end by saying I'm somewhat disappointed we didn't have about 100 people participating in person at our Las Vegas local event for the NASA Space Apps Challenge for 2023. Uh, we had 30 people sign up. We had 12 people actually participate. Nowhere near enough participation volume to justify having um, a 48-hour a you know, room we could have done it at the International Innovation Center. The space was reserved, reserved because Don Jacobson is always the number one by a substantial and depressing margin, number one supporter of our organization here in the Greater Vegas area. So we certainly had the Innovation Center at our disposal, but it is absolutely not the kind of place you want to hang out for 48 hours. The actual hackathon was a 38 hours, 59 minutes, but you know, some slack on either side. So we had that space, but we did not have the volume of participation. There's no getting food trucks. There's no getting real sponsors. And the sponsors were hard to come by anyway. So our entire culture of innovation requires that cultivation and some small wins that will lead to the next round of slightly larger wins and so on. And eventually, there will be a general awareness, especially if you have our local media platform that we can publish to. Using standards, schema.org markup, RSS feeds, uh, decentralized activity pub publications with uh, Mastodon, etc. Maybe Lemmy. Do we need Lemmy? Do we need a Reddit clone using Activity Pub for Vegas? Maybe. All of these things are possible and we must start somewhere. And if we means me, me here, then that is that. And so that is our pivot is one person. And if we can double our workforce sometime in the next couple months, that will be wonderful if we can collaborate with people in San Diego or Fresno or Miami or Chicago or anywhere, if we can figure out the parts that would benefit from collaboration and the parts that are Vegas only, which are very few, if any, uh, the parts that are Chicago only, the parts that are Fresno only, there's no need to not collaborate for those components if there is some benefit from collaborating on the common parts. Common core, if you will. It's not just for math. So that's uh, that's our basic thing. Um, decentralizing local innovation. We can still innovate locally, but you can work together. I can be local. You can be local. We don't have to be in the same local. We don't have to rely on a central database. We don't have to rely on central planning. We don't have to wait for some central decision maker to make a decision. We don't have to depend entirely on a centrally owned and operated Slack server. The list goes on. So empowering autonomous collaboration, Oh, I'm sorry, autonomous cohort collaboration so that each cohort can pursue what it wants and needs to pursue in the way that it finds most productive, effective, but also leave plenty of room to discover each other, to communicate, to share, collaborate, et cetera. I know it's crazy. I don't know where I come up with this stuff, but that's that's our present focus. And that's where I will leave it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being as supportive as you might be of the Innovate for Vegas Foundation. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this because I really don't try to push it too hard, but we do have a donation button on our website, InnovateForVegas.org, and it does say "Code for Vegas" on it, and that will be the ch- the case until we file our EIN update and our name change update, and then file our 990 with the IRS. So just super annoying. And for an all volunteer organization, that's right. I don't get paid for any of this. Uh, It hasn't been the thing that I've been overly focused on, especially because we don't get donations or even interest in donating to our cause. You could change that or you could tell your friends to help change it. So once we get our first project deployed, ideally there will be a little aha, lean in value for value. Maybe like, Oh, this is cool. I would like to contribute a dollar. (laughs) Can I get some change? So That's where we'll leave it. Thank you so much for listening, like I said, and uh, we'll see you around. Hopefully, when we push our new social media slash city scale information discovery platform. Bye.